Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Naz. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone. And that you will see I'm how God Pastor wants Carly, to move in your life. And I am so excited Thanks to be listening. diving into another psalm with you today. We've been in this series where we've been unpacking the beautiful messages that are in the Psalms, and I believe that God has something incredible again for us this morning. My husband and I, we've been married for almost 10 years, 10 years this fall, and so that big anniversary has me all sorts of nostalgic. I've been thinking about our story and how it's all unfolded, and we met when we were students at NNU, Northwest Nazarene University. And I lived in this house on campus called the Brick House, and it was a place where my roommates and I, we would serve coffee for the campus every Thursday night, and you could come and get coffee for a dollar and hang out with everybody. It was really fun. Well, there was this guy that just kept showing up for coffee on Thursdays, and, you know, I found out who he was, and his name was Mike. I thought he was real cute. And, you know, one night as, as we were serving coffee, he was there. And then an hour or so later, he showed up when we were cleaning up. I was like, hey, Carly, do you need help taking out the trash or something? And I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. So we started spending time together and, and became fast friends, getting to know each other. But it had only been like a week and a half to two weeks, and then Christmas break was upon us. So I'd really started liking him, and I was totally bummed that he had to go back to Spokane for a month over Christmas break. And so as he was getting prepared to go, I remember he came to my house and was standing on the doorstep saying goodbye. And as he was about to walk to his truck, he said uh, very nervously, uh, Carly, um, would, it, would it be okay if I emailed you over a break? I was like, email me? Are you kidding me? You can call me. So that first night then, I was like, okay, I wonder if he's going to call. And at 9.01, he called. Do any of you remember when there was free minutes after 9 p.m.? <laughs> that was a thing. That was a thing. So every night of Christmas break at 9.01, Mike would call. And we would chat for hours. I mean, three, four, five hours into the night. And he would always have these great questions for me. And we would have such good conversation getting to know each other. And about halfway through Christmas break, he said, Carly, I have to tell you that every day before we talk, I like, I'm all day long, I'm writing out a list of questions not sweet. He like really wanted to know me. And so he'd ask things like, what was your favorite birthday party growing up? Or what's your favorite food? What's your biggest pet peeve? And so we just had all these great conversations. And you know, throughout that break, we hadn't had the, I like, like you conversation yet. But I knew, I mean, I could see Mike's heart through his words. You know, you've all heard the phrase, you wear your heart on your sleeve. And I think for me, I'm like, yeah, right. I can hide what's going on inside. I mean, if I'm frustrated, if I am feeling insecure, even if I'm feeling so excited to like surprise someone, I just think I can hold it all in. But the people closest to me, some of my family's right here, they know, I mean, they are like, Carly, girl, you can't hide how you're feeling. You're in denial. And I would guess that I'm not the only one. I bet most of us are in denial over this and we think we can hide 
what is inside. We think, okay, I'm going to play it cool. I can work on the exterior and no one will even know what's going on with me. But I think we need to unpack this for a second. So let's take a look at this. Okay, here we have a bottle of soda. What is inside? Poison. Oh, dear. We'll call that poison Coke. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay, we'll go with Coke. But I hear you. So in, in here is Coke, right? If I were to pour it out, it would be Coke. Okay, so let's try something. <clears throat> we're going to pour it into this Pepsi container. And some of you are like, oh, no, don't taint the perfection or poison. Okay, so we're going to pour this in here. Now the container is changing, right? The exterior is changing. But if I were to pour this out of this very clear Pepsi container, what would come out? Coke, right. So when we think about then our own lives and how much time we spend trying to create this exterior or container of our lives, we think we can hide how we're feeling by what's going on with our success, the pictures that we're painting on social media, even our productivity or or isolation, right? We think, oh, well, for, for certain, I can, I can cover up using this, like, armor on the outside or a mask. But the truth is, what is inside will eventually come out, despite the exterior and despite the container, right? And we actually know that Jesus, he talked about this in the Gospels. And in Luke 6.45, he says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what is going on inside, he says, comes out in our words. And so he's painting this picture to say whatever is going on inside of you, no matter the container, will eventually come out. And how does it often come out? In our words. Our words, and our words are so important in our relationships. You know, our words impact our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others, and our relationship with God. And so today, as we dive into Psalm 19, I believe that God wants to help us have healthier relationships. But it starts with having a healthy heart. And there's a lot at stake here. I mean, there's a lot at stake. Our relationships, and I would guess, I'm going to go so far as to say everybody in this room, myself included, probably has a relationship in your life or in our lives that is a little challenging. Maybe there's tension there. And you know, it's so, so often easy to go, oh my word, that person is doing this, this person said this, and pointing the finger. And granted, people are hurtful sometimes. I get that. I mean, I've been hurt. I I understand that. And yet, we can't control other people. But we can control ourselves. And so today, instead of pointing the finger at others, we are going to really look at our own hearts and reflect on the health of our hearts. And you know what? I believe God may want to do some spiritual open-heart surgery today because he wants healthy relationships for us. And so we see this in in David's writing in Psalm 19. 
And it's, scholars believe that Psalm 19 has been written, was written when he was reflecting on his life. It was near the end of his life and he was thinking back. And David, he had his fair share of relational tension, right? I mean, he was part of this scandalous affair. He had family feuds like no one has ever seen on TV before. <laughs> and he had issues with his brothers who shunned him and pushed him aside. I mean, he understood relational tension. And he also understood the incredible connection of the heart and our words. And so the very last statement that he writes in this particular psalm, Psalm 19, is verse 14. And he says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And yet, in order for us to understand today how we can have a healthy heart, I think we need to then unpack this scripture starting in verse 1, and then we will work ourselves down then to verse 14. So we're going to read Psalm 19, starting in verse 1. And he's reflecting on the heavens. And Carissa so beautifully read this in a different, in a different translation earlier. It says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It is rising from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So he's looking at the stars and he's reflecting very similarly to the song that we read, right? About how the stars are declaring the glory of God. And the stars have a very specific, clear message. And as I read this, I was thinking there are so many communication type words here. So let's look at that real quick. Again, the heavens, we see they declare, right? The sky proclaims. The day pours out speech, night reveals knowledge, their voices go out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. He is saying it's as if the heavens have a headline, and the headline is glory, glory, glory to God, and the headline of the heavens points directly and purely to the creator. There is no mistaking the creator when we look at the heavens. And you know, that's, that is the headline of the heavens. It's clear. And we read headlines all around us all the time. I mean, some of you probably read your news on Google or you see it on social media or some of you even read a paper paper. I mean, that's still happening, I think. And, you know, we read these headlines and we start to understand the story, right? So recently in our home, a big headline was, the Toronto Raptors win the NBA championship. My husband is a big basketball fan. And so we, we were watching that headline, right? We watched all the games and read the articles. And when we clicked the article, we did not read, psych, just kidding, Kevin Durant made this amazing comeback and brought the Golden State Warriors to victory yet again. I mean, Golden State Warriors fans, anyone? Would that have been awesome? Yes? But here's the thing. The headline tells 
the story. It illuminates the entire narrative. You can't have one that totally is opposite of the other. And so it is with our lives, too. Our words are often headlines to our hearts. You know, I remember when I was in elementary school, there was this boy that was just always downright mean. He was just always saying mean things to all the kids in the class and making fun of people and hurting people's feelings. And I remember going home in, like, first grade and talking to my mom and telling her about this boy. And she said, you know, Carly, the thing is, like, underneath all of that, he's just hurting. And he's, he's just trying to figure out a way to make himself feel better. And so the headline of this boy's life was elementary school boy constantly tears down others. But that illuminated the entire narrative that he had a hurting heart. And so for you, what would the headline of your life be? What would the headline of your life be? You know, when I think about it for me, as I've been reflecting on all of this the last several weeks, I think the headline of my life would say, exhausted young woman puts out invisible fires. (laughs) I struggle, to be honest, with worst case scenario thinking. And so that then, what is stewing in my heart ends up impacting my my words and my actions. I mean, if I hear anything on the news, then I'm like, it's going to happen to me. It's just a matter of time, so what can I do to prepare? So recently it was 9-volt batteries could spark a fire. So I'm like, okay, I'm going through my whole house. (laughs) I'm finding every single 9-volt battery and every other battery, just in case, that's not 9-volt. And I'm putting not one piece of electrical tape, but two on there just to make sure everything is fine. I mean, this is, this is my, what I'm thinking, what I'm sifting over is coming through. And I think, oh, but it's okay. You know, it doesn't make a difference to people in my, in my life. But it does. Almost nightly, when we are falling asleep, Mike is like just right in that sweet spot where he's totally just falling asleep into dreamland. And I'm like, Mike, hey, uh, did you make sure that everything's locked? Do you want to just double check the doors? And he's like, Carly. I double-checked it just like I always do. I'm like, okay, okay. And, you know, I make light of that, and I say that's, that's a silly example. But, honestly, my fear and my, what's going on in my heart and what I'm thinking about does come out into my words and does impact the people around me. And, you know, my fear oftentimes steals my joy, but it steals the joy of the people around me when I can't be immersed in the present and enjoying what's going on and I'm thinking about all of these fearful situations. I can rob their joy too. And so as you're thinking about your headline, maybe it's similar to mine, maybe it's different. But I know for me, I want to change that headline of my heart. I want my headline to be as clear as the stars in the sky that are giving glory to God. But I've got some stuff in my heart that I have to work through. And I want to change that, that headline. And I would guess that you all probably want to change the headline of your heart too. And so as we continue in this passage, I believe that David gives us some really incredible tools for us to understand how to go about that change. And he's asking the question, what is consuming your heart? So we continue then 
in verse 7 of chapter 19 of, in the Psalms. And he's talking about the word of God. And he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be, to, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So he's talking about this law, the written word of God that was given to the people of Israel. And this law wasn't given to the people of Israel to say, you are so special, I don't want to give this to anybody else. But really it was a way to bless the people, to invite them into having a life that was signified by healthy relationships with self, with God, and with others. It was a blessing so that the people of Israel could be a blessing to the world. And this wasn't a list of do's and don'ts. And this wasn't to try to check the box off. This was, like I said, God's invitation to live a healthy and whole life, to have healthy hearts. And yet the people of Israel, they twisted it, and they misconstrued it, and they misunderstood it. And some of them did see it as a list of rules to keep, and they were operating under that works mentality. And others were seeing it as something they wanted to rebel against because they wanted to live large. They didn't want to be robbed of any fun. And honestly, so often, we can fall into those camps too, where we can see the word of God in a tainted way, and we don't see that it is for our good. I mean, as we often say around here, God wants more for us than from us. And so that is what David is trying to say today. Is your heart consumed with works, checking off the list, or, or consumed with this rebellious attitude? Either way, self is on the throne in those situations. Or do you have your mind on the things above? Do you, are you consumed with the word of God and his invitation to live life fully. And you know, he paints this beautiful picture of the word. He talks about all these attributes of the word. He says the word of God is perfect. It's trustworthy. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. It endures. It goes on forever. It's true. It's righteous altogether. More precious than gold, which was a big statement then. It's a big statement now in our money-driven society. It's sweeter than honey. It's a warning to his servants. I mean, this sounds good. This does not sound like something that robs us. It's something that gives us gifts. And he goes on to talk about those gifts in, in that same passage that we read. He says the word of God revives the soul. It's like soul CPR. You don't revive someone who's alive, right? Someone has to be flat and pretty much dead to need to be revived and so he's saying the word of God, the instructions of God bring us life where we have landed ourselves in a grave. Then he goes on to say that the word of God makes the wise simple. And another translation says makes naive people wise. 
He's saying that this is an even playing field. You don't have to be the elite to understand this word and this instruction. It's for everyone. It's an even playing field. He says the word of God gives joy to the heart. So this eliminates this up and down happiness, temporary happiness roller coaster that oftentimes we can get on. And it's joy to the very core of our being. And the word of God enlightens our eyes, brings light. I mean, this world, we see a lot of darkness, but the word of God helps us see light so we can be light. And then it establishes a very great reward. See, I think it's really fascinating in verse 11 where it says, By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. It doesn't say for keeping them, because for keeping almost sounds like a checklist item again. But there's great reward in keeping, which is painting a picture of a continual keeping of the commands of God and living in the instructions of God. And that's not out of obligation, thinking that we are sinners in the hands of an angry God or that we have to appease him. No, no. We are actually, when we're so captivated by this word of God that does so much for us, then out of hearts of gratitude, we respond in joyful obedience because we know that God has good for us. He wants good for us. He's a good father. And you know, I've been thinking about this because we have a four-year-old daughter, and I will say she is not always joyfully obedient. I need to ride a bike. Probably are, you know, they have their moments. But lately, she's been learning to ride a bike. And so, you know, when we ask her to put on that helmet, she puts on that helmet because she knows that we want to protect her. We want her to be healthy and whole and safe. She even likes to run around with her helmet, even when she's not riding her bike these days in the front yard. You know, she also, when we're riding her bike, just even last night, we would say, okay, Lucy, now make sure that you stay in right by the sidewalk because there's a, a car coming through the neighborhood. So what does she do? She immediately goes to the side to make sure she's safe. She's joyfully obedient because she knows that it's our heart as her mom and dad to protect her, and we want what's best for her. And so then, why do we, do, why do we treat God differently when he's giving us instruction for our good? He's our good father. And he wants us to have healthy and whole hearts so that we can have healthy and whole relationships. We see, too, in, in verse 11 that David makes this statement personal. I mean, he's talked about all these attributes of the word, and he has, has talked about it kind of objectively. But now, all of a sudden, he brings himself into this passage, and he makes it very personal. He says, by, moreover, by them your servant is warned. And warned, we can look at that word in Hebrew, and it also can mean taught. And so he's realizing that the word of God is for him and is to teach him. And this causes him to reflect. He's going, okay, am I allowing the word of God, God's guidance and instruction in my life, am I allowing it to captivate my heart? Or is my heart captivated by other things? And he started going, i got to think about what I'm thinking about. And, you know, I think that's what we need to do today, too. I think we need to think about what we're thinking about. We need to dwell on what we're dwelling on. Because so often, 
we think about all these other things outside, but we don't always turn and look at ourselves in the mirror. And so today, when you came in, you were given a handout that says, mark my words. And I am going to invite you for the next few minutes to kind of assess your heart. And as we've talked about today, our words are a window to the heart. And so as we think about our words that we've spoken in the last week, we can start to understand the nature of our heart. And I have to be honest, this is hard. I have been assessing my words for the last several weeks as I've been preparing, and oh my word, it's a little uncomfortable. It's pretty vulnerable. And this whole exercise is not about feeling shame, no. So if you feel any of that, that is not of God. But it's an opportunity to illuminate the dark places. Because so often some, we are unaware of some of these habits of the heart. And so today we're just asking God to help us be aware because so often awareness is the first step of healing. And so we are just wanting to shed light into the dark places and allow for God to reveal things to us and work in our hearts. Well, John Mayer obviously has not uh, dug into this passage. He would not say, say what you need to say unless he monitored his heart, right? <laughs> but how was that? A little vulnerable? A little challenging? Some of you may have decided to just mentally check things off because you didn't want your neighbor, your friend, your spouse to see it. You're like, you don't, I don't want them to know what I would have written on here. Um, they know. <laughs> they know. They have lived with you. They are around you. They know what you have said this week. But all joking aside, I, I would highly recommend that you just take this home and continue to allow for the Lord to stir in you and teach you and help illuminate what's going on in your heart as you think about your words. And, you know, for me, you know, this was a challenge for me and it continues to be because it's hard to be vulnerable sometimes. But like I said, awareness. And I think in experiencing health and wholeness in our relationships and I think just as we are feeling maybe a little bit vulnerable, a little bit challenged, David felt that too. And we see that as we continue in this passage. You know, he's reflected on the purity of the stars and he's reflected on the purity of the, of the law and the word of God. And then he says this. He says in verse 12, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And then we get to verse 14 again. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, he's reflecting and he's realizing that there is a stark difference between the word of God that is perfect and true and clean and endures forever. You know, he's, he's realizing, oh my goodness, there's such a stark difference between the word and what I am thinking about, what is in my heart. And he starts to feel convicted and he realizes that he needs to change. He needs change. But he knows he can't change on his own. He realizes that he needs a rescuer. And you know, we all need a rescuer. Because none of us can measure up 
to the word of God. None of us can, can check off all of the boxes and we drive ourselves crazy thinking that we can. And so in the midst of our desperation, that's what makes the gospel so sweet. Is that Jesus came and he was called the living word. He embodied the word that David was talking about. He embodied the very message and characteristics of God. He was indeed God, and he was the living word, and he came in flesh to earth. And we read this in John 1, 1 through 5. It says, In the beginning was the word Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In him, or excuse me, he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In verse 14 of that same chapter, it says, And the word became flesh, Jesus became flesh, and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus came as the living word so that we could live into the word. Jesus came as the living word so that we could live into the word. We could never do it on our own. And honestly, all of this stuff that maybe you're feeling a little not so thrilled about that you had to mark in the left-hand column. He took all of that, all of our mess, all of our junk, all of our mistakes, all of our sin, all of our selfishness, all of the stuff in our heart that we are not proud of. And he took it and he took it to the cross. He's blame, he was blameless. He had never sinned. But he came and did what we could have never done. And he died on the cross for our sins to forgive us. And then on the third day when he rose again, he portrayed to the whole world, and that message resounds to us today, that we are not held responsible for all of this. But he has brought freedom so that we could be healthy, so that we could have healthy relationships because we have a healthy heart. Because of Jesus. And only because of Jesus. Amen. And so when we think about all of this and we want to change the headline of our hearts, what are we to do? What is our role? Our role is to simply receive. We don't have to check the boxes off. We don't have to try to figure out how to do all of this on our own. We simply receive and allow for the grace of God that's undeserved. Allow for his forgiveness and his love to wash over us and heal our hearts. And that in turn changes the way that we speak. So there's a movie clip that I want to show you because I feel like it portrays really well this idea of receiving from our Father. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No. Don't hog the picture, man. How are you going to hog the picture? The picture's not right unless daddy's in the picture. That's magic. Come on, it's late. Okay, come on. Daddy, I'm scared about the fall swing on Saturday. What are you afraid of? Your mother told me you were excited about it. Well, everybody has a solo, and mine is on the last song. And I started. So if I mess up, the whole entire song is wrapping. What makes you think you're going to mess up? I can't sing. What do you mean you can't sing? I can. Yes, you can. Where's the song you're going to sing? Let me see. 
I'll put it the right page. What song yeah. you do? This page. All right. All you need is love. Oh, that's a good one. It's the Beatles. Tell you what. Here's what you do. Come over here. I'm gonna get you on stage here. This is the stage now. No, no, you're gonna get on stage, and I'm gonna be in the audience. It's gonna be just like you're at the play. And all the people in the audience, I came to see the show. We all like, ooh, this is great. Well, I can't wait to see the show. Who's in this show? Well, who's that? I wonder if she can sing. All right, now you gotta get ready now. You gotta get ready to see, because everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. Now you gotta say, there's nothing you can do that can't be done. I can't. Yes, you can. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can do that can't be done. Here's how you're singing it. You say it, and then you take the last word and just stretch it out. Say, there's nothing you can do that can't be done. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nah, I didn't go. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Yeah, all right, now, here's the second line. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Let me go higher now. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. A little higher, though, higher, higher. Sing the Capisol. Oh, my baby sound like Mini Ripperton. Okay, let's drop it low. Let's do it like a frog. <laughs> Daddy, you're just doing what I did to you. Yeah, that's right. I'm doing what you did to me. Now let's try. <laughs> See, you're doing it. Okay, listen. Okay, here's the next one. There's nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Nothing you can say, but can learn how to play the game. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. Ah, that's it. That's it. You're singing. Take a bow. Oh, she was wonderful. You going to the top. She going to the top. Isn't that great? I love it. I love it. And you know, I think it paints the picture of the change that we can have because of the presence of our Father. You know, at the beginning of the clip, the little girl, her words showed what was going on in her heart. She's like, I can't. I can't sing. And then, because of the Father's presence with her, his encouragement, his instruction, for her, all of a sudden we see her light up and she starts singing. And by the end, you know, she's just bowing and curtsying and like she is totally believing these new things about herself. No longer is her heart full of insecurity, but her heart is full of confidence and excitement. And we see it come out through her words and her singing. And what did she do? She was just hanging out with her dad, just spending time with her father and receiving from him. And if there's anything that I would hope you can take with you today, it's that picture. That that's, that's who we are, just receiving from our Father. And then as we receive, our hearts are changed. The way that we, the way that we act, the way that we talk changes. And so today, we are going to put this into practice, and we are going to place ourselves in the posture to receive. We're going to receive Holy Communion. Holy Communion was the meal that Jesus shared with his closest friends, his disciples, on the night that he was betrayed. He was betrayed by the words of one of his closest friends. And that betrayal was what led to his arrest to go to the cross as an innocent man. And he knew about that betrayal at that meal. But he looked into his friend's eyes, including the one that would betray him, that, that did betray him. And he 
got the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup that signifies the covenant. This is the cup that is my blood poured out for you. But I invite you to drink in remembrance of me. And so today we place ourselves like those disciples around the table. Many of us, probably actually all of us, have betrayed Jesus in our hearts and then with our words. But he looks at us anyway today. And he says, receive. You are forgiven. My grace is sufficient for you. And so today I invite you to receive this gift of grace through communion. And if it's your first time with us or if you are a guest, please know that you don't have to be a member to receive. All we ask is that you are aware of your need of the grace of God. And you know what? We all are in desperate need of the grace of God. And so we all come to the table aware of our need for him. And so as you, as you receive the elements today, why don't you go ahead and hold those and we will receive them as community today. Our students are coming in to receive as well. So the band is going to sing and feel free to sing along and process and allow for the Lord to work in your hearts in this time. I invite you to take your bread and hear these words, eat and remembrance of the one whose broken body brings you wholeness of heart today. And I invite you to take the cup and hear these words. Drink in remembrance of the one whose shed blood washes you clean from the inside out today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for meeting us here today. We thank you that you are here and ministering to us right where we need to be met, God. We thank you that you don't expect for us to clean up or get our act together before coming to you, but you just come to us right in the midst of our mess. And so we say thank you, God. And thank you that you love us enough not to allow for us to stay right where we are. I mean, we can make that choice, but you call us and invite us constantly to move on from the, from the muck and the mire to a posture of receiving and then having a healthy heart and healthy relationships. And so God, would you give us each the discipline to respond in joyful obedience to the ways that you are, are working in us. Because we have found today that what is in will come out. And so first of all, God, we know that we need you to consistently work in our hearts. God, thank you that you want and desire for us to have healthy relationships with ourselves, with others, and with you. And we thank you that you make that possible through your forgiveness, your love, and your grace. And so today we receive. We simply receive. We are so grateful today, God, and we are thankful for your sacrifice for us. And so it's with grateful hearts that we say, amen.
Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. And actually, as we have learned today, it's probably more so the heart has the power of life and death. And you know, there's a lot of, of negative messaging in the world, a lot of words that David would, would probably say, or excuse me, um, Solomon would say are words of death. But we have the opportunity to go and speak life because we have been given new life. We've been revived by the Lord. And so I believe that God wants to work in us individually, but collectively. And can you imagine the impact that we could have as countercultural people, Jesus followers who go and speak life? I believe that there would be incredible change in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our, in our communities, in our workplaces, and in our schools if we rely on the Spirit to help us speak life. So this week, let's go and reconcile with someone that we need to reconcile with. Let's go and speak up for the marginalized. Let's go make a new friend in the office who's been kind of sitting by themselves. Let's go and reach out to that, to that friend who we haven't connected with in a while. Let's go and speak life. As we close today, will you stand on your feet and let's pray that prayer of David from Psalm 1914 together. It'll be up on the screen. Let's read this together as we close. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Go and speak life and go in peace.